0: This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Mumbai. Moon and, Bay.
1: Moon uh, Bay. Moon Bay,
0: sorry, Moon Bay. <laughs> it's first funny. mistake of the night, Moon Bay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this is the first time we've done an interview for you. And is this your first podcast interview?
2: Yes, this is my first podcast. I used to work in broadcasting, so I'd be the one taking the interviews, but i'm the one in front of the camera this time
0: okay that's 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 cool so you used to do interviews with other people
1: yeah
0: that's that's cool so so what we want to do is what we do on this podcast is we we do like a behind the music type of interview with an artist and we get into their whole process of how they create work but we do have some sponsors that we have to get out of the way and one of them you'll see scrolling on the bottom is an ios app called newsly and you can go to www.newsly.me and they actually read the news back to you in a natural human voice so you can stop scrolling and start listening if you use coupon code ghost 2021 and that's actually valid you get one month free premium subscription you can get it on the android store or the apple apple store so it's kind of cool and they actually have our podcast on their site so if you go to newsly And you type in Fam Electric Ghost, you can actually hear the audio version of the podcast. And you'll see the audio version. So they help promote the podcast. So they're cool to have that going on. And now the other um, sponsor we have is from Germany or from Europe. And they are an online lottery called Double Jack Online. (laughs) And what they do is if you take your cell phone right now and you take it and scan that, you can go to Double Jack online, they do Euro Lottery, they do Powerball, they do Kino, and they also do NFTs. And if you use your NFTs, um, you can actually have your band art turned into NFTs. They can do crowdfunding to help support you if you wanna do an album or do a tour or, or do a CD, they can set you up with that. So check out Double Jack online, they're pretty cool. And then now we're gonna actually give all your fans their, your Instagram uh link and we've got that uh, right there
2: join me on instagram mm-hmm.
0: so so we want to always uh before we get into the heart of the interview we like to actually introduce your music to the audience and so what we have here is we actually have your song stay and we're going to play the full length song it's a youtube kind of video but it's not a video it's more like a youtube audio um, but we're gonna play it through YouTube, and then we'll talk after about all the things that got you into music. So if okay. that's cool, we're Exciting. gonna. <laughs> well, I hope we're... the
2: audience likes it.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's cool to actually introduce the music before we actually talk to an artist, so people get a, a kind of context of Good. what we're talking about. So let's um let's let's get into this song, and then we'll talk after. So I'm gonna put you on mute first and then we'll get into the song, and then we'll talk to you after the song.
1: So. When your heart is on the floor and your world is on
2: its knees, I'm begging of you, please, just stay with
0: So that was Stay, and we're back uh, with Moon Bay. And uh, I love that song. It's really got an interesting beat, and I like the feel of it, and it's a really good introduction, I think, to your music. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
0: So we did have somebody say hi. I don't know if you know this person. They said hello.
2: (laughs) No, I don't know them, but hi, uh, Mr. Ben
0: So I don't know if that's a fan, probably. Um, So... Yeah, I can I can control if they don't if they say something like improper. <laughs> but exactly. hello is okay, so I said okay, that that's good. Um, so one of the things I first asked all the artists to come on the show is like, when did you first get into music? Like, at what age do you remember uh, thinking about you wanted to do music?
1: I
2: think it was when I just started talking actually, because I have clear memories of singing songs I'd made up in a language I'd made up. Mm -hmm. And then like that continued on, like in school, I'd always be in the choir or like take all the music classes that they would provide. But my first, I'd say, brush with success in a way was when I was eight, I got to sing backup for a very famous singer in Pakistan. She's called Tina Sani and she sings classical Urdu music.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So, how, that, so your your parents were able to get you into that? Or your school helped you do that?
2: My school arranged for it.
0: Wow, so they, you had shown like a talent that your school teachers had seen that you were like in that zone. Because some people are just na- natural. Like you put like a young prodigy in front of a piano and it's like they show ability or they jump on a piano. Like, like when I, I grew up, because my grandpa, he could just pick up anything. He could pick up a banjo. He could pick up a guitar, he could pick wow. up a flute and he could just play it. And I'm like, that's crazy. And and, and then I, I showed some ability and my brother showed ability. And seems like, well, it seemed like it was just innate. Like it, my brother yeah. was able to jump on a guitar. He just learned it. It, yeah. it hardly any lessons he could, he was already playing it. And I jumped on a keyboard and it was like the same thing. So sometimes it seems like people have a talent for it.
2: The funny thing is in my entire family, it's just me and my siblings that have musical talent. We're like the only ones.
0: Only ones that, you're, yeah, no. you're, 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 yeah. It's interesting because some people they don't focus. Music is 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 hard because a lot of times if you're you're a creative person, like people look at that and say, "Well, you can't really make money with that." You, you know, you can't. Yeah. You, you need to get a real job.
2: <laughs> Especially like in Asian culture, I find that there's a pressure to have like an office sort of career.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we got the same thing. I mean, people look at musicians and they are like, "Well, that's nice," but what what's your what's your day job? You know, and yeah, you know, it's like yeah, because they never they never can believe that you could actually you know make it just doing that. And I'm like, you know, so I try to encourage my daughter. She's an artist. She's a graphic artist. And I Beautiful. Like, yeah, yeah I, I you don't have to do a day job. You're like that is your job.
1: <laughs> literally
2: literally it's a 24 7 process and for me some projects i'll spend ages writing
1: mm-hmm.
2: some i'll come up with the melody the like all the composition and the words within 10 minutes
0: yeah and i think the- that's 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 an interesting thing we, we like to get into like that kind of question we talk about like how you write but like w- so you've been working on music since you were like eight but yeah. like and you realized you had a talent for it because you got selected to play with this famous person. But when did you actually start writing your your own material? Was it like eight years old or or later?
2: The first song I ever wrote was when I was 14. Any Mm -hmm. school I've been to, I was like in the band or like we formed a band. I've Mm -hmm. been a serial band member. This is my first time going solo, actually. Okay. So that was the first song I wrote. When I was 14, and that too in 10 minutes. I remember clearly. (laughs) It was one of those moments.
0: So when you started in bands, were you were you like the main creative writer or were you doing covers? uh, I was
2: a cover artist for many years.
0: uh, Many years ago.
2: Do put our own spin on our Mm -hmm. renditions of popular songs.
0: I think that's how a lot of people start. Like they start, they they're interested in the in order to play and you're new, you tend to have to play other people's music, um, you know, unless you get like, you know, I was kind of, I grew up in the 70s. So one thing that happened was like, like the clash and the punk scene showed up like like the Sex Pistols and, the, and a bunch of bands from like New York um, showed up. And, and it was that the whole thing about that was that suddenly you could write your own stuff, right? The, the, with, with this kind of punk aesthetic if you, if you come out there like the Ramones, they, they would come out of New York and they're like, I can do that. I don't have to be like Led Zeppelin. I don't have to be the Beatles. I could actually yeah. be not perfect pitch. I don't have to sing like Marvin Gaye or sing like Diana Ross. I could actually come out and have, it kind of made things like the, what happened with grunge in Kurt Cobain is yeah. that it brought back the fact that you could come at it without being a perfect pitch singer, that you could come out because you, maybe you have honesty
2: he's actually one of my biggest inspirations in music nirvana and pearl jam and incubus are my favorite bands
0: i I really love that time period because there was a time period like if you think about like mtv and you had like i like new wave i like the duran durans at the world but it was kind of like well are you really going to be able to be like duran duran you know are you really going to be like some of these new wave bands they were like big they had like corporate, but it wasn't like what happened with punk and what happened grunge kind of brought back that punk, like what the clash were, yeah, what the Ramones were, you know, CBGB scene in New York was that you had these bands that had like, they just felt like they wanted to say something. If you think about Blondie, when Blondie came out, there was like, they just wanted to say something. They had a female lead singer and they had this punk attitude and they, they were, did multiple things. They did like hip hop and funk and disco and punk all at the same time and that was kind of what i like about music in general is like mixing genres um definitely. So, especially so,
2: when you're like eastern and western mm-hmm. you get to write in multiple languages i sang in three languages and do i write in you, them as well
0: do you find you have to write in english to be able to cross over like to be able to hit the max audience Do you have to write in English? Or do you write in your own language for your for your own audience?
2: My first language was English. Mm -hmm. I learned Urdu when I was around, like, I knew basic Urdu, but I properly learned it in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So I'll never reach the standard of poetry that we have in our musical culture, because honestly, it's all poems
0: it's real poetry it's like spoken word then like so so your traditional music is more like spoken word with music behind it
2: yeah but the spoken word is uh, done on the eastern musical scale okay has different rugs
0: yeah yeah it's different it's totally different
2: you have to memorize things it's very technical
0: yeah it's got your own standard like compositional style like you can find that yeah on Non Western cultures, you get into African culture, you can get the spoken word stuff. A lot of African music's got this kind of like spoken word kind of history, oral history. You've Definitely. got this, you find that like other cultures are outside of Western cultures. And it's interesting because a lot of African Americans, we kind of pull. But what we think africa is like because we don't yeah. really know it right so we, we we we've got this like mysticism of what we think africa is like but we we've been in america for like 400 years so we don't really know but we kind of have a gut feeling and that's where the blues and and all soul and all this stuff came from it's kind of like kind of it's long in life.
2: the soul
0: yeah we have you know we created different genres within american styles that are like you know based on african
1: Definitely. concepts
0: but um so we, I think I totally you know, understand uh, different cultures and why I like to bring different points of view onto the show Yeah, because, um, I don't think that a lot of people get to get to hear like your point of view. So, so sure. maybe you can talk more about it. So, cause I don't think our audience really knows as much about it as uh, they should.
2: Basically I can speak about my journey, which is also similar to a lot of people's journeys where. We were naturally not nurtured in regards to our musical talent. And we were pushed into higher education, which I totally believe in. Yeah, but yeah. I also believe that it has there has to be passion in what you do. So I find a lot of musicians in my generation, especially, they're just breaking the mold.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because they really can't give a flying yeah you know of anyone's <laughs> yeah. opinion basically i'd I, say we're a very rebellious generation
0: well i think that's great because i kind of i i like i said I, I like a punk aesthetic i like the grunge aesthetic um i like you know a guy like lou reed who mm-hmm. who basically you know if you think about lou reed he was a poet that happened yeah. to make a band the velvet underground but it was really poetry and then he was working with andy warhol was a he's like a phenomenal artist and so he mixed like that, the idea of working with a guy like andy to do the visuals yeah and then doing poetry i mean because the velvets were based mostly lou reed is is not a, a singer he's more of a spoken word poet like yeah. a dylan but he's kind of a darker dylan and yeah. that always was like i like the radical nature of the velvets because they just said whatever they wanted to say and they didn't really care what anybody thought they just said it and it, it inspired like multiple genres of music like new wave alternative indie is all yeah. like lou reed a lot of his stuff is like that's what people built from what he did and i think anybody who goes and tries to break the mold i think is is great because i think that's what you need to do as a musician otherwise it's like it's not interesting
2: i think i was definitely inspired by a lot of people like uh Amy Lee from Evanescence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she's
0: awesome.
2: She's amazing. And like Haley from Paramore, like as vocalists.
0: Yeah, that, those, are, those are good references.
2: Yeah, because I find their voices very beautiful. And it's listening to people like them, like Nirvana, like Incubus, that mm-hmm. I decided for myself that my music is my creative outlet. So that's why I even make all the artwork for it.
0: Oh, that's cool! And any
2: like uh, design that's going to be done for future videos, I'm going to be doing it myself.
0: So the concept of your name, the Moon Bay, does it have a specific meaning to your music?
2: It ties into my real name. My real name means moonlight. So,
0: okay, so that's what it is. That, it's that's a, a, it's
2: a play on that.
0: Well, that's cool. Because I always, I always try to, I remember to ask a band or an artist like why they have the name they use, because um, usually it tells the story. And a lot of people today, like when you talk to singer songwriters or independent creators, like yourself, you're involved in the whole project, like right? the whole yeah. thing is Moon Bay. You do the art, you do the writing, you probably do a lot of production,
2: yeah, the co-production like basically first day i made it with a dear friend of mine the miracle mm-hmm. he's like an amazing producer in pakistan he has like an indie label and uh, with him we literally sat for days on end because we wanted to build the song off of a vibe
0: yeah that's a way to do it like i mean a lot of times like that's the one thing that i always ask because people say well how do you write a song and i think when you're a songwriter it's like One day I could be walking in the woods and then I get an idea. One day I could just be sitting at my piano and I get an idea. Or I could be um, (laughs) writing on a diary. It's like, you don't know where it's going to come. Can I think of it like a a poet? Poets used to talk about the muse, right? Like Victorian poets, like Wordsworth and Blake. They would say, oh, the muse told me this. And I think people just tap into it. When When you're a creative person, whether you're a painter, musician, you know, Actor, you pull from everything that you have experienced. I think the artist, creative mindset, is everything that's in your subconscious. Funnily
2: enough, I thought of all the lyrics first day when I was on the toilet. (laughs) Literally, I was going to the toilet before bed, and this entire song came out of me with the melody. And the inspiration behind this song is i would like to make music that's relatable emotionally that stay stuck in your head melodies mm-hmm. like that so this song actually has a really kind of sad background uh my best friend's dad died of covid
1: oh that's and
2: terrible. you know when there's grief involved even if someone is alive you know that there's going to be difference in the way they behave and the healing journey for loved ones is very difficult to see. So that's what the song's about.
0: I think it's interesting because songs sometimes that people like, you know, you could struggle with the song layering it and layering it and, yes. and really kind of overproducing it. And then what I find is sometimes a song, like you said, it came to you in the bathroom. I've had songs that just come to me like the whole thing. It is yeah. like I just turn on my recording equipment. And then I just captured it and I'm like, and it's done in like an hour. And then I'm like, then I could sit there and maybe work on it for another month. But what I find is like that original thing I did in an hour, that actually is the song. And and I found over time as a songwriter, you kind of got to trust yourself. Like if something comes out like that, then don't like destroy it by overthinking it. It's like sometimes some things come out and that's it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, not, and nothing's perfect nothing's gonna be perfect so you might as well go with your gut instinct obviously yeah. like a bit of editing here and there is different but like yeah
0: yeah a producer coming in like tightening it up or cleaning it up or and a recording engineer can always yeah. take something like that and make it better and yes. i'm not saying that you can't do that but what i've seen some people do is they like this agonize over every second of a song maybe overproducing. Cause I'm kind of coming from like the seventies point of view where like you would go if the stones went into the studio, they would kind of play it live or the Allman brothers or Hendrix and they might have multiple takes, but they yeah. would go back and say, Hey, that take is the right one. Number four. And I'm not going to go into every single line and change it. I'm just going to say, well, I'm going to go with number four, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's good to do that because I think it has that honesty. Because if you over overwork something, then it sounds too perfect. And it, I don't know if perfection is really part of art. Yeah, you prior, need
2: the emotion more than the perfection.
0: Yeah, I think it's the happy accidents. What i found with music is if you think and listen to stuff from the 70s, you'll find timing errors, key change errors, all kinds of errors in famous songs. And they let them, let them stay there because it actually is the character of the song. And I think some songwriters today have forgotten that when you're running on tape and you had to splice there, and sometimes you have these errors, and there's something about that period where it seems a little bit more, I don't know, relaxed or not as like trying to make it perfect. That, that organic, can, yeah, it's organic. It's like there's something about that that's very. You know, I can feel really, you know, if I listen to a Carpenter song, like Karen Carpenter oh, and oh, the I Carpenters, remember. right? They did this, these, a lot of analog recording, a lot yeah. of like, fourth take, fifth take, or even Elton John talked about a lot of songs on Yellow Brick Road are like in the third or fourth take. And they let it go. And they say, well, that's it. And yeah. and I really think people ought to think about that when they're writing. Because um, if you go back to the past, you can kind of like see a, a roadmap for the future.
2: That's true. <laughs> That's very true.
0: Um, And I'll get off my soapbox on that. But um, so, so you had some influences you were talking about. So do you have more influences? Because I think, like your music, every musician is not trying to clone another musician. But I think we are informed by the work that's out there. And so, do you have other artists you would like to kind of talk about? I would
2: love to talk about Nadia Ali, who is in IIO who sang Rapture, and she was nominated for a Grammy for her album, Queen of Clubs. Mm -hmm. That was my first, uh, the first brown person from my country I'd seen making (laughs) it internationally. So that was the first time I thought, wait a minute, maybe this can be a career.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you need to have role models. You know, you think about it like, you know, for me, like Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Wonder, you know, and, and uh, Bernie, Bernie, uh, Warrow for my like, punk, Funkadelic when I saw these guys. Right. And I say, well, you know, I mean, black musicians, we kind of know that black people do music, you know, that's the that kind of thing. But, but the one thing is, if you think about it, Hendrix was like the greatest guitar player ever, but a lot of people even today don't think like heavy metal or rock music in terms of oh a black guy is is the guy they think about like van halen or think about iron maiden i think like like zeppelin they still forget that hendrix was like the best of the best of the best and and, and if you try to come out there and do a a, like a black rock band people are like oh are you supposed to do that it's like like, yeah
2: (laughs) music's for everyone like And even in Pakistan, I'd say the booming sector of music is rap and hip-hop.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, that's what people expect. It's just like, but if you come out there trying to do a heavy guitar, people kind of still, that's kind of a weird thing. Like, There's you definitely
2: can be... an underground scene for metal bands.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is not the age of rock anymore. This is kind of yeah. like the hip-hop, EDM, uh, trance, like electronic. And, and, and it's weird because I try to still keep my hand my head in a lot of heavy guitar focused sounds that come out of my equipment. Yeah. Even though I'm a synthesis, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to do a lot of guitar-based stuff because I like Hendrix. And so I tend to try to push that in my music, even though I'm using keyboards yeah. um, to do it. And, and it's not typical. And people are like, oh, I thought you were EDM, but you sound like punk. Or you sound like rock. I'm like, well, I didn't say I was EDM.
2: <laughs> yeah, you are what you are. Like, you know, in that regard, I'd say I definitely have a lot of influences. Like, for emotion and music, I've always been inspired by Nina Simone and Aretha oh, yeah, she's awesome. And, like, uh, for technical stuff, definitely Eastern artists. hmm. So, like for everything there is definitely inspiration and honestly like it doesn't even have to be someone famous i'm someone who thoroughly enjoys walking up to buskers and listening to them sing because Mm -hmm. i used to busk myself for a few years (laughs) so i i like to hear out the people who have something to say but no one hears them
0: yeah that's why i talk to like emerging artists i like to talk to people in the underground you know on instagram soundcloud you know all these uh different you know venues like you find people on discord whatever i like because i was a i was a radio guy like in like college radio and i like to push like indie bands like college radio bands like back in the day when the 70s like bands like rem before they blew up on warner brothers nobody knew who they were you know they're coming out of athens georgia and and you really if you think about michael Stipes' early rem you couldn't even understand what he was saying it was kind of like he wasn't announcing but it was it was so different and it was really melodic and I never heard anything like it. And I thought in a lot of radio DJ guys at the college radio, they're like, this stuff is cool. Yeah. You know? And you just like, I like it just cause I like it. And it's like, well, it doesn't sound like it's top 10 material. has it doesn't really matter cause it sounds cool.
2: It definitely <laughs> you know? has an emotional impact. I remember being a teen and listening to losing my religion and like writing poetry
0: yeah. Like he broke through there because then he suddenly started to make people understand what he was saying. But the first yeah. first years of R.E.M., like four or five records worth of records. It wasn't like that. It was like very mystical. He was like doing this very mystical stuff. You didn't really. It was poetic, but it was kind of like, I don't really know what he's saying, but I like it. And yeah. and but then he started to actually tighten up his lyrics. And then when he tightened his lyrics, he got like losing my religion. You're like, wow. He's a really good yeah. lyricist. Now I can actually hear what he's saying.
2: Yes. Either <laughs> way, I like both eras.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I, I think
1: really <laughs> do
2: enjoy watching other artists go from one era to another. Like Adele, for example, we've seen all her albums and the progression of storytelling.
0: Oh yeah, like where she is now is like unbelievable. You know, it's like yeah. the, she is just like, you know, she's like that high tier. You know, you're talking about like, yeah. you know, the classic kind of singer you know you think about diana ross diana warwick you know that that level you know you get back to the day when you have like great great vocalists there are hitting like the five octave range or they got yeah. the full vocal but it's kind of like motown you go back to motown and everybody there is like killer singers everybody is like a singer yeah you know and and then they're songwriters and and they're like wow it's like not only can you guys sing but you guys write and it's like that to me is always the combination that's always been the the thing that really drives me is like i understand when people sing other people's songs yeah but i do love that like your song like they they hear where it came from that's the one thing about singer-songwriters it's like listening to like a sound painting or like a, a sound novel That's why I like to talk to, you know, people who write because then you get a picture into their worldview.
2: I find that writing about things that are personal to me definitely is a way to like process them, start healing and accepting. And that's what I hope for people to feel from my music as well. I'm going to try really hard for it, (laughs) but I definitely see where you're coming from.
0: I find that music is very cathartic. When I talk to songwriters, I've talked to about 140 songwriters, and most of them say they would write whether or not people listen because they use music like therapy. They use it to get through their life. And and yes. if, if no one ever listened to it, they did it because they needed to do it, because they needed to express themselves in that way, because it helps them get through their life. And then what happens is people have empathy I think well I think songwriters have empathy for what people feel and know how to put it into words and put it into music and then other people yeah. find it and say wow I understand that or I feel that and that's why I think a lot of artists can find an audience. Yeah, that's true. You know, cuz the people are going to pick up on what you're doing so you create something and then it just naturally goes to the people who who want to hear it.
2: And then you find your tribe.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what. What do you think about the way the social media is today? Because I I've been able to talk to bands like everywhere. You know, I'm talking yeah. to people from Paris to like Korea, you know, Africa, uh, you know, Iceland, n- anywhere in the world you can actually reach people. And i mean, I'm just sitting in Northeast USA. Yeah. And and like in the '70s, I would be stuck only talking to bands in Boston or New York, right? I would uh, never get to talking to anybody else because I'm on the yeah, Northeast. No. But now because of the net, I talk to bands all over the world.
2: And definitely, like, I found my Instagram experience for Moonbeat to be very pleasant. It's other artists connecting. That's how we met. And definitely you get to control the things you put out. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, I'm not just a singer. I feel that I'm a multimedia artist. Yeah. Because I do my own artwork. I make sculptures. So for me, I'd say Instagram has been a game changer because I remember the days when it was just Facebook or MySpace. And it was really hard to find audiences.
0: Yeah, it's hard to reach. I mean, I'm I'm reaching better because of the podcast. But as an artist, like my podcast actually helped me as an artist. It's weird because people said, well, if you're a musician, how can you put all this time into podcasting and still do your own music? And the way I look at it is it kind of pays it forward. Like if I give exposure to an artist because I'm interested in what they're doing and I'm not talking about like my own work, I present their work. It actually pushes my work because people say, well, who's this ghost guy? And then people, you know, actually go and check my catalog out. And so it's like not that I asked them to, but it happens. And so I just said, well, that that's actually worth doing. Um, and and as a musician, I think it's cool to actually talk to other musicians because in this world with COVID, like I can't go tour. And usually I used to be able to meet musicians on a festival stage yeah. or in a club, the other bands that are playing. And i like, you know, musicians, we 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 talk to each other and like, oh, it's a scene. Maybe I'll work on your record. Maybe you'll work on mine. Maybe I guest on this and that. But now it happens because I do this. So I think, yeah, Instagram is like the best because – you can do visual, you know, because you can do up to, like, you know, 15 minutes now. Um, mm. You used to only be able to do, like, a minute, and now you can do, like, 15 minutes. So you
2: can post your entire
1: song.
0: Yeah, it's you fun. can have longer longer songs. Than guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, like, I'm not going to very progressive. My songs can go, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> so I was like, progressive,
2: <laughs> but I do not make it. But there is definitely a progressive extended mix being made of Stay by Miracle.
0: Oh, cool! How much longer? Alaska. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah, but yeah, but once you go into a club, then the dance mix can go like seven minutes, eight minutes. Then they they yeah. can go longer. Uh, like EDM songs can go for like fifteen minutes. You know, this kind of reminds me of like like I grew up with bands like Genesis and Yes, and they had whole sides of a record, like yeah. one or two songs on one side you know, they're like 20, 18 minutes long. (laughs) That's kind of like where I came from. But um, and that stuff is not super popular. But that's like, that's my niche is I I do stuff like that. But yeah, I think Instagram, I think for artists is like one of the best platforms, not that I'm pushing them all the time. But I, I have met most of the people I interview are coming from Instagram. Oh, that's that's how, how I've been doing it since 2018. And I usually get one or two guests a week. Just from Instagram, not even talking to agents, just talking to artists directly.
2: That's the musical community. And it's really good to have someone like you here to nurture us newbies.
0: Well, I think it's just important for emerging artists to get a platform. You know, I think that, that like back in the day, like MTV used to have programs to actually have music, and they would actually interview brand new bands and yeah. not just do like reality shows. i
2: remember those days
0: (laughs) and uh i felt like like and i like this thing on vh1 they had this thing called behind the music and i like and if you ever seen those they would talk to a band for like an hour
2: i love the i love that yeah
0: and that's what i try to do here is like i'm trying to like rip them off but like the idea is like i'm gonna take artists that aren't as big as the artists are on that right but i think they should get the same attention um So, so one thing I always ask is like, when you write a demo, um, do you actually like work up like a demo version and bring it to your producer, like using your dog or using like keyboards or something at home and then, then do have that rough sketch and then go to a producer or do you like work with the producer directly for everything?
2: I write the music. I sing it into my phone and I send it to the producer. And if they're on board, which they usually are then we work around their schedule because I'm not the, that good at the technical stuff. I sing, mm-hmm. I write, and I play the xylophone.
0: Okay.
2: But I'm learning how to do the technical things.
0: Oh, so have you do you do anything like on GarageBand or you do stuff on like a DAW, like a digital audio workstation, or you just like do a rough mix?
2: I do it on Ableton.
0: Ableton, you do use a DAW. Yeah, because the DAW, I think, has been the big um, equalizer. Because, yeah. like, if you think about the 70s, the best we used to be able to do is have a Fostex or a Tam, uh, Tascam 4-tracker or 8-tracker if we were lucky. Yeah. And then we just put things down. But we, there was no quantize. You had to play it. Like, if you want it to be right, you had to play it right. <laughs> if you, if there was no way to quantize on a 4 track or yeah. 8 track recorder. You had to actually get that beat like Motown and get it right. Or or it's not right.
2: (laughs) It's definitely a bit easier now with the systems you can actually just use at home. Like even right now, I'm in my closet. I just have soundboarding and it seems to work well enough. I find that it's very important for me to have good sound quality.
0: Yeah, it's real important. I mean, but the thing is interesting is like uh the world has gotten to the point where like you used to go to a studio and you have like a thirty thousand dollar microphone. And like a three hundred thousand dollar sound console. Like if you think about, like like what what like uh, like even like the Foo Fighters or you know, Nirvana used this um this like really awesome like soundboard that uh, was uh that was out there and it was like you know it's, it's Sound City. There's a documentary about it, but there was um these analog soundboards that were like Fleetwood Mac did Rumours on this like Neve board, N-E-V-E. Well, yeah. This guy from like London built this analog sound board
1: wow. that, like
0: tom petty used it fleetwood mac used it nirvana used it and it just had this natural sound to it that bands would go to this really tiny studio in in los angeles and it wasn't pretty it was in a warehouse district it didn't look nice but it had this amazing piece of equipment yeah that when they used it it made the song sound like phenomenal it just had like like processing on the vocals and the guitars through this board just like just had this kind of analog feel kind of like a moog yeah. or a hammond organ sounds that these some of these old boards that were used for recording have like amazing character and people now you can buy machines at home that can simulate some of it but still at the end of the day some of these old machines they can't simulate they kind of got to use them but um
1: there's a difference is, between
2: really good home quality and amazing studio quality.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you get the classic stuff, you know, like the Beatles used on uh, *Sgt. Peppers and stuff like that. It's like yeah. there's certain things that, you know, those things are like, they priceless the stuff they use, the compressors and stuff they use. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, I can't get that <laughs> <laughs> because that's like outside of my league. But uh, you can try to get as close as you can to what you want to do. And what I think is just amazing is like, you can put together amazing stuff at home now.
2: Yeah, true. And a lot of like the emerging talent in Pakistan, people who've even become mainstream at this point, they make their music at home, in their rooms.
0: Yeah, because you can. I'm I'm a bedroom studio guy. You can see all my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, everything I do is made in this room. Yeah. And, uh, I really, I don't even go to an outside producer because I've been doing it since I was like 18, yeah. but, but like, I can understand what you're saying because you can like, if you get the equipment, you can do everything at home. You don't have to physically go to the studio. Yeah. If you get a recording engineer that has a degree. Yeah, Berkeley. getting getting
2: the track mastered is yeah. not a task I would uh, take mm-hmm. on myself.
0: Yeah, that's a whole different talent. I always yeah. tell people, like, there are people to get degrees in that. There are people who just are – they win Grammys on that.
1: Yeah, just, that's just, their job.
0: That's what they know how to do. They're artists yeah. in themselves. Like, they know how to take your sound and actually make you better. And this is what I always point out to people. Like, if you get a, a producer or a recording engineer – i think the best ones are the ones that keep you within the context of your 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 art right like it's if yeah. you have a style and they enhance it that's what you want if you get a guy that goes and says i'm going to turn you into my last top 10 hit and then it totally reworks everything you did and turns it into something else right yeah. i don't know if they want to do that there's a lot of artists that will do that but my opinion as that what i like to do is, is like i want you to sound the way you want to be right so if if, if, if if when you're working with somebody that enhances your sound rather than totally reconstructing you i think that's that's what that's I like. the
2: best way to go and i'm yeah. lucky that my producer is exactly like that
0: yeah that's what you want i think anybody that knows what they want i think it's just when you're an artist if you're kind of unsure that's when the producer can kind of like oh you're not sure and then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take your and whole thing. Like on
2: other projects, there are times when I've been asked to write and sing, but they want to change my melody, and then I just say, "Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen."
0: <laughs> I think it's cool that to know what you want. I think yeah. that I I really appreciate an artist that that stands their ground. You know, yeah. I think I think you have to because the way the industry is, if you show like a little bit of hesitance there are people that will totally remold you and what they think you should be.
2: Let them try. They have no idea what they're facing with me.
0: <laughs> well, that's cool. I think that's good because I, I think there's, a, you know, because the problem is then you get somebody that's recreated like 10 different versions of like a Beyonce or, or 10 different versions of whatever's popular now, you know, Basically, and then you get the clone.
2: A lot of people sound the same.
0: Yeah, I that's the problem. I can't the
2: difference between a lot of new artists that I hear on the radio.
0: Because they're all going to the same producers and they're using the same stems and the same drum beats and the same loops. They're just following
2: instructions, Yeah, and then, totally fine, but that's not my vibe.
0: Well, yeah, because I think one of the things about music that I think is really unique is, is a singer-songwriter, you're putting your life in front of the world. Yeah. And you know, if somebody just clones the last top ten hit, that's not necessarily your life. Um, and so, I think what's great about a singer songwriter is you get that intimate perspective. Yeah. Um, Cause I was listening to Tom Waits, and he is so unique, and he's so driven into his own like style. Yeah. Like nobody really tells him how he's going to do it. He just that if he decides he's going to do like 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 new orleans like bar blues or or like you know he's just gonna do it if he's just gonna do real basic stuff if he's gonna do like old school like uh mississippi delta stuff he just goes and does it and he doesn't really,
2: creativity.
0: yeah he just doesn't care what the time period is if he feels like i want to do 1940s delta blues and it's 2022 he doesn't care that it's 2022 i'm not doing 2022 i'm doing 1940 <laughs> you know it's like i think people just got to make a choice It's like are you are you gutsy enough to do that you know as an artist you got yeah. to what, pick what you want to do and i think people will follow you like if you believe it i think the biggest thing with an artist is like you got to believe what you're doing yeah right so if you go on stage and you show the confidence that you believe that your work is like Great, not that you're trying to be a big head or something, but like you know, you gotta have that kind of confidence to be a yeah. singer in the first place.
2: And in such a tough industry, like it's very important to stand your ground and create those boundaries.
0: So have Especially you been as able, a
2: female musician?
0: Have you been able to do any kind of live shows, or because of the way things are, you're mostly just doing stuff online?
2: Uh, I did live shows every day, sometimes multiple times a day, for three years, a few years ago, nonstop. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was really exhausting. I performed with the choir that would go to the UN events and the VIP events.
1: Oh, that's
0: nice! Like
2: I sang for Nelson Mandela.
0: Oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah. So, like, definitely got an amazing experience and gotten many opportunities but i think for me i just want to write my own music and not do covers and if it's a cover it shouldn't be like the exact cover you know what i mean
0: being a working musician i think you have to you you take the work that that keeps you in the game but yeah. like we all have our dream projects right so like i might work on commercials and nobody even knows I'm doing it, right? I might be working on jingles for advertising and then you yeah. don't know it's the ghost. But, but what, when I do a ghost album, that's what I wanna do, right? But yeah. the other stuff help me helps me do it. So yeah. I understand like people go and play covers or they go and do live shows. Cause you know, we're working musicians. You wanna, you wanna do what you gotta do to, to do what your real true heart thing is, you know, yeah. is, is your own song.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I have written for other bands in the past, ghost written for a lot of artists. that's cool.
0: I I think it's a good way to keep in the game, you know?
2: Yeah. And I definitely like, I'm deeply integrated with a certain sector of the past Pakistani music industry. Like all, most of my close friends are musicians, so they keep me motivated. And if nothing, like I assist in background vocals or like i just give my vocals away
0: (laughs) no i think it's good to keep working because i think it's like working like doing features like in the u.s people will do features right in hip-hop they'll go sing on somebody else's record yeah or like you know if you're a musician like me i like i have a lot of modes somebody needs a mode baseline they actually don't want a sample they want a real one yeah i can actually play it so i can actually do whatever somebody wants and so you know you can end up doing a lot of work, but then sometimes you get to a point where, like, if I keep on doing all this work, I can't do my own.
2: (laughs) My side hustle is essentially being a a dubbing artist.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool.
2: So, like, I even, uh, I'm the the voice for a few ads in Pakistan.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's how you work.
2: (laughs) Usually it's because my friends, they have studios, and when people cancel and they need someone reliable, I'm the one. first one they
0: call yeah. yeah, well, it's good to be like you know. If you think about like in, in Motown, he had the Funk Brothers, right? And they just yeah. played on like everything. They played on like everything. They were yeah. there's a bunch of guys, the Motown guys, that were the studio guys, and they just played like on everybody's record. And I think the studio musician kind of thing maybe uh, went away because people aren't going to studios, but there's still people doing that kind of work, but just yeah. doing it remotely now. And so there are people that oh that guy's a bass player. Let me get him on my album, and he'll yeah. do his bass line at home, and then yeah. mail it in, phone it in. <laughs> you know, you phone your vocals, in or your G. You know, you put them on the Google Drive and send them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> or we transfer or something. But uh, yeah, I think I think musicians we have to do what we have to do. And, and when touring kind of got went out the window, then people started doing other things. You know, they do sync licensing advertising, you know, uh, do, do, you know, a little snippet for, for, for like films and working with independent film guys. Like I like working with independent filmmakers that need music since I write music that goes on. I
2: feel that's my ultimate goal to like be asked to make the soundtrack for something.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's great if you can start like with like smaller indie indie filmmakers that that are not as well known and need, need a lot of music for yep. their project and they don't want to pay a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. For basically, I hope they find me after watching this podcast.
0: No, yeah. It's cool. Like you can check her out. You know, she got the, you see the Instagram DM, her. you know, cause like if you're a filmmaker and you're looking for somebody that's got a cool vibe, uh, you, you know, that's why we put people out here. So, or they, even you-
2: if you're a parent who wants to have a special personalized song for your kid, I would love <laughs> to do that
0: that's cool too I, I've had people approach me with that can uh, <laughs> so you do a birthday song like as the ghost is like well I don't know
2: <laughs> I just love like silly funny songs as well because I while I was in Pakistan I worked as a musical comedian as well
0: oh you did like you did like stand up improv improv that's pretty cool that's, that's Yeah, nice. so
2: we'd get someone out of the audience. We'd ask them, what did you do all day from the moment you woke up? Mm-hmm. And we just, it was me and a friend who's a rapper. I mm-hmm. would sing and he would rap like on the spot, like we're used to making up music. So I definitely really? like have dipped my toes in all the different forms of music.
0: Yeah, I think it's good to be uh, well versed in multiple things. Like I like I talked about before, like multiple genre. Uh, part of like what I call expansive sound. Which is that like people try to pin me down and say, "Oh, you're you're a DJ." <clears throat> it's like, no, I'm I'm a keyboardist, so I'm not a DJ. But but I play electronic music. And then I said, well, you know what? I'm going to call it expansive sound. So what's that mean? It means one day I could do punk, one day I could do soul, yeah. one day I could do country, I could do whatever because it's expansive. It means it means everything. And so that's why people try to pin me down. I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what genre it is. It's like it's everything.
2: Basically. That's like a question I face a lot and don't have an answer for. I'm always like, I do everything.
0: So. I won't tell them it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get the genre out there. I put it on all my stuff. I tag yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to just what? say
2: I'm expansive. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Because it means everything. It just like yeah. means because then the people always wanted, you know, like if I get, you get an agent, they're going to like, well, you must be EDM. Like, no, because then you're going to get me in these clubs and people aren't going to know what to do with me because yeah. I'm not the guy on the box jumping up and down. I'm actually playing the board. So I need to be where the guys who are like, you know, like yes or Genesis play, yeah. you know. Be, you know, and, and, and I've been like mislabeled sometimes, and you got to be very careful because agents sometimes don't care, bookers, or they just want to get whatever. And and then they put you in the wrong thing. Yeah. You like, it's like if, they, if you get put into the wrong scene, you're like, you immediately know you're in the wrong scene.
2: <laughs> you can do it as you're walking in.
0: Yeah. It's like, we've all had that
2: experience.
0: It's not going to work tonight.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like once I was commissioned uh, to go perform at an event, which was supposed to be like a launch for a building in Malaysia. I went there, and turns out, their entire parliament's there.
0: <laughs> oh wow! I
2: was like, I just wanted to sing some Katy Perry
1: and leave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. Like you, you, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be cautious because like they'll try to book you into something. Because I got put into a heavy hip hop thing. And I just adjusted. I was like, okay, I'll just do some kind of scat, stream of consciousness thing. Because I like, you know, I like, I like public, I mean, I like run the MCs. I mean, not that I'm a rapper, but I have realized the scene I was in, I said, well, doing some kind of Genesis Pink Floyd thing's not going to work here. So I had to, had to change on the fly and did kind of just, well, I got to do something more hip hop. And not that that's what was my area, but I wasn't able to, I was able to kind of get away with it. But, yeah, I think you just have to know your audience.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm still trying to figure out who my audience is. Some months I'll check, and it's like a bunch of dudes. Another month I'll check, and it's like a bunch of teenage girls. And I honestly don't have, like, a preference. So it's just interesting for me to see what engages who.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting that you get a shift like that because, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I do notice sometimes, like, the, the gender does shift based on what I'm doing. Like, if, if you know, if I'm doing something that's more romantic, then I'll yeah. get more female. If I get something that's more, like, heavy and dark, then I still can get a lot of females, but I get some more guys who, who will jump in. Um and it was just like my dynamic audience, I can see the j- changes on the numbers. I would look at the numbers based on what I'm doing, and I'm like, oh, you can you can kind of see it now. which what's cool on the way things work is you can get immediate numbers. You don't gotta yes, wait for especially your, your if
2: you're company. on Spotify artists. Like I saw the other day that 65% of my audience is male.
0: That's interesting. And
2: over, and over 30.
0: Well, you're, you're, you're hitting that group, you know, you, yeah. you never know. You, like it, I, I used to be really like have a lot of male audience because I was doing really experimental stuff. And yeah. then I started branching out the songs were a little bit more accessible and then more women started coming in. And I noticed there was a whole story about Genesis between like the Peter Gabriel Genesis and the Phil Collins Genesis. Yeah. Like, Peter Gabriel was super experimental and they mostly had a male audience. And then when... Yeah. Bill started taking the lead and started doing all these romantic songs. Then suddenly, the, this shifted over to like more female audience. Yeah. And so, like it was because their content went from being like talking about outer space and talking, yeah. about, <laughs> it, it, it talking about like a relationship between a man and a woman. And then suddenly, well, you're not talking about outer space anymore. So now you've got people who couldn't relate to you.
2: <laughs> yeah. With me, I find that most of the stuff I write deals with loss and grief. Which I think is universally.
0: Yeah, it could I be either. That can be that. You know, I can. I, I dig like Karen Carpenter songs. You know, I love, I love like, um, <clears throat> Carol King, and a lot of the female songwriters from the 70s. Yeah. And people would think that well you know only a certain audience would love that, but I think it's like you know anything that's kind of, you know Karen Carpenter to me her voice is so melancholy, even when she was happy it was like melancholy. It just kind of triggers this kind of romantic sadness. And I just, I like, I you know, sometimes you're in the mood for that. And then sometimes when well, you're a little too, it's too depressing and you don't want to get into it. But I think it's just something that they, they, you you could be, a, a, you know, a guy or a girl to get into that. It doesn't matter. But I think it's, it's interesting when I hear her voice, I just like, it just triggers memories.
2: Definitely like that feeling of nostalgia that's, that gets stuck in your head. Yeah. It's just like she
0: represents the seventies for me. Like, cause I grew up as a child in the seventies. Like, you know, my my parents used to play her music. And then when I was a kid, maybe I was a kid, I was like 10 years old. I was like, I'm tired of that. But now like, it kind of brings back, you know, the, the kind of moment I can think about like 1974 and remember hearing that song as a kid. And like, it, yeah. and now I, I love it. Maybe when I was a kid, I didn't love it as much, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like I think that's the cool but thing about music is it triggers memories.
2: Definitely.
0: And your audience Definitely. like interprets your music. Have you ever had your audience like interpret your song differently than what you thought? Someone thought it would, was yeah.
2: about a breakup or something. And I was like, yeah, no, it's about my friend, totally platonic. And I don't know, like people have always had very romantic interpretations of the song. Which, like, kudos to them because music is what you make of it. It's, like, what your personal experience is. It's just that that's not how I wrote it.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting because, like, fans can, like, take over your song. And, like, the majority of your fans can suddenly think um, that something is, like, the opposite of what you did. Because if you think about Losing My Religion, it's a very romantic song, but it's kind of a dark song.
2: I've never found it romantic.
0: (laughs) No, people, there are people that actually thought it was romantic. There are people that actually use it at their weddings. And then like, and then Michael Stipe was like, that's not really what it is.
2: (laughs) Wow. What are they going to play Fallout Boy at a wedding next?
0: I don't know, but there are some people like, some people like misinterpret things. Like a big, one of the biggest misinterpretations was like, Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA being thought of as like a pro like America song, right? Yeah. And it actually was talking about a Vietnam vet coming back to yeah. America and finding nothing and, and having nothing and not being able to get a job. It's not talking about like he's happy to be in the USA. He's talking about like I'm born in the USA, but I like I'm not I'm not having a good time. I'm I'm actually like a victim of of, of US behavior, right? And it's yeah. And it's it's like some people took that and totally misinterpreted what he wrote, and just say, "Oh, he's proud to be born in the USA." Like that's actually not what it's about. I,
2: I think that goes for like any form of writing, like even all these, like how they romanticize uh, so many characters from the classic books, and mm-hmm. it's like, "Hmm, have you not understood?" And sometimes they're like the carpets represented this and that because their color was this it's like you never know if it was intentional
1: mm-hmm. but it's
2: definitely interesting to see what kind of like uh gifts people look for easter eggs in music
0: yeah people try like, to you take, yeah they tend to take you know take your song and like uh use it you know especially like politicians like to take songs and like use it for campaign slogans, and then it's like the artist has to go and say, no, I don't want to use that. yeah <laughs> but um yeah, and so we've actually hit an hour, so it's great like this kind of always goes goes by quicker than I think, but yeah, that's like yeah. so I'm very happy that we're we had you on the show and um if you have a future project um that you want to push, we like, like to actually follow ours we've had ours come on multiple times usually in tune with their latest release or project so in the future if you've got like a brand new project or an album or an ep you want to push let us know and we can do like an album release episode
2: i have a, a collab coming out in a month and
0: a half oh wow yeah if you ever want to come on we can do like shorter length shows just to push certain things yeah
2: awesome it was so nice talking to you and i hope the audience uh, had fun or it could bear me
0: (laughs) yeah it's 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 always cool you know this this will be on spotify within an hour or two and that's where we usually get a bigger bigger audience because on our replays we get that's where the audience start usually kicks in a lot more but um yeah, we'll we'll send you that when it's ready. And we also will put up, well, we put up a blogger page on our WordPress and our PhantomElectricGhost.com site. We do a, a blog page for our interviews where we link to like everywhere you can listen to it or watch it.
1: Awesome.
2: I'll we will posting all of it.
0: We'll be also on audio podcast on Apple as an audio only, but we will be, we're on Twitch right now. We're on YouTube, Facebook, and we're also on Twitter. And the one thing about Twitter is um, they are starting to actually have full-length episodes. Like, So Ooh. if you go to my Twitter, this will be available as a full-length episode, where normally Twitter, you don't get to see something longer than maybe 5, 10 minutes. Yeah. This The podcasters, we are able to get our full show to be seen on Twitter. So the Twitter link will actually show the whole thing.
2: That's amazing.
0: Which is kind of cool.
1: It's really cool. <laughs>
0: So thank you very much for being on the show and thank we look you. forward to it. Please click the link for Moon Bay and uh, check out everything she's got going on, on her Spotify and anywhere you find her on the net. We're going to have links in the, in the program and please click those links. Remember to subscribe, favorite playlist, like download purchase. If you like that artist, that's what you should do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.
2: Bye.